Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Montes. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate uh, the invitation to come and preach this morning out of the Word. And I uh, do want to uh, be able to uh, just introduce myself a little bit. My name's Don. I'm married, 13 years married, uh, three kids, six, four, and almost two uh, super cute kids. Um, don't have any photos, so can't back that up, but uh, they are super cute. And um, uh, we had a dog, although just uh, buried her this week, actually. So she was 12 years old, and uh, that was really sad for our family. And um, I actually buried her in the backyard and had not done much physical activity for a number of years. And so even just in the digging, uh, kind of, you know, the expressed the pain even in my body and uh, really felt that yesterday. I was knocked out pretty much the whole day. Um, also had that really hot day this week. Um, anyone love the heat? Love the heat 46.6 degrees? Yeah, a few. Interesting. That's, I won't hold that against you. That's cool. Um, welcome to South Australia. That's, that's awesome. Um, I've been in ministry, well, for my whole life, I guess, uh, but vocational ministry for a little while. I was in Worked in radio for about uh, 12 or 15 years and uh, in, in the church, either full-time in the church and part-time in, in radio or TV or full-time in radio and part-time at, uh, at churches, various churches for a little while, um, for about the last decade or so, uh, kind of that combination. And um, around about seven years ago, felt the call to plant a church and so we planted in Glenelg just over six years ago now, and uh, that church has, has grown, you know, praise to God, and uh, by God's grace, we planted two more churches out of that, and um, the hope is we'll plant many more churches, so uh, see people who are going to gather around the work of God, the Word of God, uh, and the mission of God all around Adelaide, I've been very, very encouraged by, by this church in all of its iterations, actually. Um, when I was... Um, uh, well, when I was very young, my dad became a Uniting Church minister. Uh, so in his working years, he was a Uniting Church minister. And so uh, we actually grew up, even friends with the Hawkses, um, knew them very, very well from my earliest memories. And I uh, was very encouraged that uh, all those years ago for the sake of the gospel and to, to have a firm stand, you know, theologically to to see you move out of the United Church, something that even, so like me growing up in the United Church, I've been praying over for a number of years. I was very encouraged and encouraged again uh, when I heard that you brought on Montaz, uh, encouraged again when I heard that you were taking yet another risk as a, as a body to come and really replant here in Ridge Haven. So I've been very encouraged by you guys. So encouraged was I by Montaz that I let him beat me at golf. Um, <laughs> to try to help him, like, you know, pump himself up a little bit. Uh, no, it's not true. He, he, he decimated me, uh, and that was by no means embarrassing. He came with all the attire, and I thought, I'm going to lose today, and, uh, and I proved to be a prophet that day, so that was beautiful. Um, today, I'm going to be preaching from 1 Corinthians 9. We just looked at that, just had it read uh, a few moments ago, and uh, my hope is that this would be an, an encouragement and a challenge, and... Uh, and just as your church is and already has been an encouragement and a challenge, um, just as you are, hopefully, my, my prayer is an encouragement and a challenge. Uh, and, and even just having baptisms really out in public today will be to many an encouragement and a challenge. And um, 
in the years to come, this community will grow and continue to be an encouragement and a challenge. So uh, I, have, um, I have a thing here which I'm hoping is going to work, and I may have to move this way to make it work. And if it doesn't work, we're just going to have to, like, have somebody else, or I'll preach from the back, and it'll be very, very exciting. All right, I don't think this is going to work, so we're going to have to go to assisted mode, which will also be very exciting. Uh, so this is where we finish. Do you not know that runners... The runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. So run in such a way to win the prize. If you have a look, you'll notice that as I get to certain sections, they're highlighted, which are follow, which are gonna not work. Thank you. I'll see if it needs to like sync up here. Nah, we're, we're toast. I'll forget that. Run in such a way to win the prize. Do you not know that runners, the runners in a stadium all race, but only one of them receives a prize? Anybody here, I know we're in Australia, anybody here like really into sport, any kind of sport? Anybody here not even a little bit into sport? Do, just do not care at all. Zero sport. Um, anybody here enjoy, maybe not playing sport, but watching sport? A few more people, yeah. Uh, tennis, anyone watching the Australian Open right now? I, I love watching tennis, have barely seen any of the Australian Open. Uh, here's what, I, here's what we, can, we can objectively guarantee that nobody will wake up this morning and think to themselves for the very first time, I'm going to compete in the Australian Open, Open Grand Final today. Zero, zero people are thinking that for the very first time. They just wake up in the morning and go, you know what, Australian Open Finals today? I mean, the, the women's final was yesterday, men's final today. No one's waking up this weekend thinking, for the very first time, oh, here there's a tennis tournament on. I'm going to go and, and play and win that tournament today. Uh, you couldn't even qualify for it if you woke up today and did it. In fact, even at the beginning of the tournament, you couldn't wake up and qualify. You've got to qualify for the tournament to compete for the prize. And here we have Paul writing to the church in Corinthians and the Holy Spirit speaking to us today saying, that we should run in such a way to win the prize. It says, now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They want to win a prize, uh, or in the case of tennis, they want to win a tournament, or uh, win a crown, win a plate, win a trophy, win some money. Everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. Now, I am not an athlete. Uh, when I was much, much younger, about half my age, uh, uh, I was pretty good at squash, uh, won a few tournaments and things like that, uh, but would still, even at that stage, never have called myself an athlete. Uh, I do know athletes, though. In fact, um, around about eight years ago, uh, there, I, I discovered a few things in, in my life medically. So uh, two things, two diagnoses within about uh, a month of each other. The first one was um, my wife told me, you snore and it's really annoying, can you please go and get it checked out? And so she said, I think you have sleep apnea, which is where you just you stop breathing in the middle of the night. Anyway, I went to see my doctor. Uh, he referred me to a specialist, and the specialist looked at me and said, you're in your, I think it was like late 20s, uh, you're not ridiculously overweight, there's no possible way you have sleep apnea, but just in case, we'll run some tests. So I had some tests, 
uh, done and came back and the doctor said, you have severe chronic sleep apnea. Uh, and if you don't make some significant like, life decisions right now, then you're going to definitely die early uh, and have a very uncomfortable kind of life uh, until you do die. I thought, that's, that's not a great diagnosis. And basically, the doctor said, whatever you do, you cannot get any less fit than you are now, uh, and you certainly can't gain any, any fat. No fat, and do not lose any fitness. And I wasn't a particularly fit guy. Uh, and then at the same time, my wife and I, we'd been married for a few years, had been trying to get pregnant, and getting pregnant seemed to be quite easy, and staying pregnant seemed to be very difficult for us. So we had a uh, n- number of miscarriages after miscarriages after miscarriages, and uh, we went to see the doctor, and the doctor said, well, actually, I think it's, nothing seems to be like really medically wrong, but I think it's a fitness issue. And uh, the doctor basically looked at me and said, and I think it's your fault, <laughs> because you seem to be a guy who doesn't really matter what you eat, uh, you don't get really fit and you don't get really unfit. You just kind of stay in this kind of moderate level of just normalcy, he said. And, but your wife, she's trying to get fit. She's trying to eat well. She's trying to do the right thing. And you are not. He said, it's your fault. I was like, oh, this is terrible news. It's my fault. And so we started on this health journey. And so I recruited some friends of mine who I knew were athletes. They were running in races to win prizes, like legitimate prizes. I had one friend of mine, Sal, uh, back in the day, he, he was a training partner of mine, and he was, uh, and still is really, one of the most disciplined people I've ever met in my life. He trained in order to win prizes. Uh, he was um, like a bodybuilder, so you know, the guys with the big muscles uh, can lift a lot of weights, those kinds of things. And uh, he once told me that in a period of three years, he didn't miss a single meal. So he used to eat five to eight times a day, depending on what kind of training day it was. Five to eight times a day, did not miss a single meal for, eight, for, for three years. Didn't miss a meal. Uh, and, and when I say didn't miss a meal, I mean like, if you went to a party and there were donuts, did not eat the donuts. Love donuts. Uh, didn't eat a single thing outside of his like, macronutrient uh, breakdown uh, of, uh, of what he needed to eat in order to win the prize for three years. He wasn't training to win a prize that he could win in the next couple of days or months. Uh, He was training to win a prize that was going to be a couple of years away. He didn't miss a single training for five years. He would train. Um, He didn't didn't just exercise or work out. Uh, His training sessions were intense training sessions in order to win that prize. He slept. He made sure he slept eight hours a day every day in order to win the prize. His entire life was reoriented around one particular thing, and that is to win the prize. He was the most disciplined person I know. He, sometimes he wouldn't go to friends' parties because of the prize. And when he did go, he wouldn't participate in uh, the things that they would do. He wouldn't drink what they drank. He wouldn't eat what they ate in order to win the prize. It meant that he was not in line with his his like, social circles. He wasn't congruent with his social circles, unless those social circles were also people training to win that same kind of prize. Very, very disciplined person. Uh, lots of sacrifice, diligence. He'd study to find out what was going to be most helpful. He'd get, recruit people to help him and train him, just like he was helping train me for my goal to not die. Likewise, he was training for his goal of winning the prize. 
everything in his life was oriented around this one singular thing. Just like Paul says, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. And for my mate Sal, in order to win, it took everything for him to win. And he did. He won. He won prizes. Uh, trophies, literal crowns, uh, some of the trophies were giant swords, like, you know, big broadsword type things. Uh, he won all of them. And we see here, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So he's contrasting and saying, you know what, athletes, and I mean, I don't know exactly how athletes would train back in the day, but I know for sure it was nothing like athletes these days. Back then, to compete in the Olympics, you had to have trained for 10 months minimum. Whereas these days, to compete in the, even just, I mean, in the Olympics, it sometimes takes your entire life up to that time of dedication, of not skipping meals, of not skipping training uh, um, routines and things like this. Entire lives completely oriented around this one goal. My mate Sal, uh, where he worked, who he hung out with, uh, eventually even who he married because of people who he was hanging out with. Everything in his whole life was oriented around this one little thing for the perishable crown. For the things that are now like literally sitting on a shelf gathering dust or even in his shed out the back in a box. His entire life disciplined, dedicated for the perishable crown. Paul's saying we, we are to have this kind of discipline. There's the same kind of discipline that athletes have and approach their sport and their races to win those prizes. They want that prize. The same kind of discipline it takes for the athletes to win that prize, that's the same kind of discipline that we are to have for our race, for our prize. That's what he's saying. For me, uh, I, had this, I had this same, I guess, race or goal uh, twofold. One was to have kids, and again, by God's grace, uh, we have three kids, wonderful kids. Uh, the other one, not die young. They were my two, they were my two kind of races, two, two kind of goals. And I made a decision, uh, once those doctors gave me those kind of, you know, kick up the bums, as it, as it were, uh, my decision was, I am now a disciplined person. I'm not going to be like an athlete, train like an athlete, train with athletes. And I, and I did. And so, like my mate, my life began to orient itself around those goals. So, uh, my, where, where and what and when I would eat, how I would train, I wouldn't exercise, I wouldn't work out, I would, I would train, uh, in, intensely, purposefully train, um, and became a very fit person. Now, what I, what I never did was, there was no time when I decided to become an undisciplined person. I remember a time when I was like, I'm now a disciplined person. And, and because of that one decision, I didn't have to make a whole bunch of decisions. Uh, I didn't have to wake up every day and think, well, am I going to train today? Because I already decided that I was going to be a disciplined person. I don't have to wake up today and say, are you taking photos? Let me just have a Bible in my hand so I seem more spiritual. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't have to decide, am I going to eat well today? Am I going to eat I love? I mean, and there's just so many foods that I love. I don't have to wake up today and decide, am I going to eat this or am I not? Because I'd already decided and I had that race in mind. Thought, man, if I, if I do these things, then I may not attain the goal. And then at some stage, probably after one of those goals uh, became a reality and we started having kids, 
uh, I became less disciplined and, you know, six days a week of training became four days a week of training became two days a week of maybe exercise or maybe just going to the gym socially and uh, throwing a few weights around or things like this and, and eating uh, the exact same kinds of food. So I would eat the same, like, four meals every single day at the exact same times per day. I would, and then one meal for dinner, which could be um, something different, uh, eat with the family. So I would know uh, on the, like, within a five-minute time frame of when it was, like, three hours since I last ate because I would get hungry because my body was so disciplined and regimented around this training regime, I uh, went from eating exceptionally well to eating okay to eating whatever I want to just eating like everybody else. Uh, there's no time, there was a time that I made a decision to be disciplined. There's no time that I made a decision to be undisciplined. And yet, other things, even good things, came in and started crowding out those disciplines. Where I was running uh, as if to win, I was training and exercise and disciplined in everything, like Scripture says, uh, for that one thing, other things came in and started to crowd out those disciplines. My discipline suffered, my fitness suffered. I had other priorities, even good ones, which became really great excuses. So I either go to the gym or I can play with my kids, and of course I want to play with my kids. Uh, I can go to the gym or I can spend more time with my wife, and of course that's a really good thing. I want to spend more time with my wife. I could go to the gym or I could do uh, more work in my church and, and meet people, and, uh, or I could pray or read scripture and do all these kinds of things, which of course I could have done at other times, but it became the easiest excuse because I became an undisciplined person. Discipline is making that one decision that covers a thousand decisions. Discipline is making that one decision that covers a thousand decisions. So just like the athletes who say, uh, I want to win the Australian Open. Uh, if you wanted to wake up one day and decide, I want to win the Australian Open, that's not a decision that's going to meet its fruition in the short term. That's going to take months and years of dedication, uh, that one decision will make a thousand decisions for you. That every day, you know, waking up every day and deciding, am I going to train today? Am I going to eat well today? Am I going to do the disciplined things today? Am I going to get enough sleep today? Am I going to practice today? Am I going to learn today? That one decision makes a thousand decisions for you. And in this case, even just for the chance of trying to qualify, you might not even qualify, even having made all those decisions. But if you don't do all of those things, if you don't make that one decision that covers a thousand decisions, you wouldn't have the opportunity, the chance to. Verse 25 here is, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything and run in such a way as to win the prize. So what's he talking about? Why have I just spoken uh, for like 25 minutes about this thing? What's he, what's he mentioning here? If we go back a couple of verses, this is what he says. He says, although I am free from all, I'm free from all. He's saying, I, no, I don't belong to anybody. I don't owe anybody anything. I'm nobody's slave. Because Jesus has bought me. I belong to Jesus. I, I'm not beholden to anybody. And yet, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. That's his goal. That's his race. That's what he has reoriented everything in his life around, is to win more people. That's, that's what... 
Uh, he's saying just like the athletes run, just like the athletes train, just like the athletes reorient their sleep and their food and their exercise and where they go and who they hang out with, uh, the coaches that they get, the influences they get, uh, how they spend their time, everything, just like they do that in order to win the race, that perishable crown, I, I am running the race to win more people. To the Jews that became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak, in order to win the weak, I have become, this is a very famous verse, I have become all things to all people, so that I may by every possible means save some. This is what he's saying. He's not saying it to be duplicitous. He's not saying, well, on Sundays when I gather with the church, you know, I lift up my hands and I'm, you know, amen, brother, thank you, sister, etc. He's not saying to, to do that on Sundays, but then on Mondays or when I'm hanging out with my family, uh, I'm another person. Or when I'm hanging out with my work colleagues, I'm a different person. Or when I'm hanging out with my neighbors, I'm a different kinds of person. That's not, what he's, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you're a Christian on one day and you're not the next. He's not saying that um, uh, to be double-minded about these things. He's saying that he wants to become like the people that he's around so that he may, by every possible means, save some of them. That's his goal. That's his aim. That's his race. And he says, he finishes, Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. He's doing all of this to, for, uh, for the sake of the gospel, so that he may share in its blessings. This is the imperishable crown he's talking about. This is that eternal work that he's talking about. My, my good mate, Sal, trained, sacrificed, and competed for, again, a, a crown that sits on a shelf gathering dust. But Paul, and he's saying to us that our lives are to be lives of discipline so that we can be about God's mission in the world. That's what, that's what we are here to do. That's what we are for. What does this look like in your life? It looks like trading out lesser blessings for the sake of the greater blessing, the greater blessing of participating in the gospel work. For us, we might say something like, to the engineers, I became an engineer so that I might win the engineers. To the doctors or the plumbers or the teachers, I became a doctor plumber teacher in order that I might, by any means, save some. To the retirees, I became a retiree so that by every possible means, I might save some. Not so that I could make a lot of money being an engineer. Not, not even so that uh, I might have the, have the joy of uh, teaching and forming minds, although that, that is good in itself. Certainly not so that I could enjoy my retirement and not do any work and just orient my life around myself and, and my enjoyment. But no, that we would still, for as long as God would use us on earth, as long as we have breath, that by any means we would, would orient our entire lives around God's work in the world and, and in doing so, uh, be greatly blessed, sharing its blessings. To the people of Ridgehaven, I became like someone in Ridgehaven so that I might save some, by any means. My fear is we are a, especially in Australia, largely undisciplined people. And even our standard, our like, bar for discipline is very, very low. So we go, oh, well, I read the Bible like four times a week. I'm a very disciplined person. Well, I, I pray often. <clears throat> I'm very disciplined in prayer because 
we compare ourselves to other people who don't. We go, well, they're undisciplined, but I look at my discipline. And Paul says, well, you know, you know what discipline we want to have. It's the same kind of discipline as the runners in a race who, win, who run to win. And every aspect of their life is disciplined and oriented around that one goal. Have you made that one decision that makes a thousand decisions? You may have heard it preached before. People say something like, uh, you know, Jesus said to take up your cross daily. And that means every day you make a decision to pick up the cross. That's not true. Uh, he, he says pick up your cross daily, but that's, that's a one-time decision. Because of what Jesus has done for you, because of his great love for you, because he has chosen you and plucked you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into his kingdom, into the kingdom of light, into that eternal kingdom, into eternal security, into eternal love. Because of that, our response is a one-time decision that you are my king, I'll follow you, and then every day we pick up that cross because we already decided to. It's not a daily decision of, oh, am I going to be a Christian today? Am I going to read my Bible today? Am I going to spend time with God today? Am I going to encourage other Christians today? Am I going to tell people about this hope that I have within me today? They're not daily decisions that we make. We've made the decision, and then we live in light of that decision. And you might say, well, I just don't feel like I'm a very disciplined person, but I tell you, you are a disciplined person. You are. Let, let me back this up. And this, we'll finish here. Let me back this up. Uh, Timothy, in uh, Paul's letter to the Timothy, he says this. He says, um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so he's not saying to Timothy, uh, be more self-disciplined or become a disciplined person. He's saying, uh, I'm reminding you to fan into flame what you already have, which is the gift of God his, himself, the Holy Spirit living in you. A spirit not of fear, not of timidity, not one that shies away from the difficult things, those good works that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in, Ephesians 2 tells us, but a spirit of power, a spirit of boldness, a spirit of love and of self-control or self-discipline. See, you are a self-disciplined person if you are in Christ. Uh, Paul writes to the Galatians and, and tells them, you know what uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is? Uh, you plant an apple tree, you get apples. You plant an orange tree, you get oranges. If you have the Holy Spirit, you'll have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and uh, gentleness and self-control starts with love, the preeminent one, and finishes with the one that rings in your ears, self-control. The self-control, is that, that's, the love is the one that begets all the others, and the self-control is the one that realizes all of them. It says, if you have the Spirit, and you do if you're in Christ, you are a self-disciplined person. It's a fan to flame that gift that God has given you. Make that decision that covers over a thousand decisions. In fact, stop making so many decisions. Make one decision that covers over a thousand decisions for the blessing of the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we thank you that you've given us this spirit of discipline, of self-control, that you have 
um, loved us so greatly by sending your son Jesus for us. Uh, when we are reminded, uh, as we've been through your scriptures today and by your spirit, um, of how greatly you have loved us, how wonderfully you have acted on our behalf. We're the great beneficiaries of your grace, of your mercy, of your love. And so help us to live disciplined lives. Not, not for the sake of discipline, but for your glory and for our joy, knowing that our joy is wrapped up in your glory, in being uh, people who embody and proclaim your gospel, your goodness, your love to the world. Father, we don't want to respond uh, out of indebtedness as if we would somehow pay you back for your favor, but knowing that we have your favor, knowing that we have your love, help us to be good children. Help us to be keen for, for our own joy and blessing that we would be so disciplined in our pursuit of uh, the blessings that only come from participating in your work in the world. Father, help us to be more like Jesus who became like us in order to save us, that we would become like others and go to others and step into others' mess and darkness in order by any means to save some. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.